Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining me once again. Today, uh, a great interview is ahead with an old friend of mine and the programs and content group here in the Australian Capital Territory, and he will discuss the emerging trend of journalists into government and and what that challenge is. But we'll come to that in, in just a moment. But as we start the program each week, as we do with the definition of content communication. And actually, before I do that, I would just uh, send a note to uh, or a message out to people to maybe go onto the Content Marketing Institute blog to have a look at what Joe Polizzi is talking about in terms of the naming uh, frameworks around content. He talks about content marketing and is it the right term to be using, which is exactly why we don't talk about content marketing any word, uh, anymore because really marketing in government we've found is a dirty word and so content communication works much more effectively with uh, with senior executives when they're sitting in front of their political masters. If they're spending money on communication, that's okay. Spend it on marketing, that's spin and that's bad. So there you go. But anyway, content communication is a strategic, measurable and accountable business process that relies on the creation, curation and distribution of useful, relevant and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder outcome. So that's what we're talking about today. But to my guest today, Kunshan Dutt is a journalist, uh, started in the UK, but then came to Australia. And we first crossed paths when he was working on a number of beats, actually, out at the, uh, the local newspaper here, the Canberra Times. But then he took the jump into the public sector where he worked for the local municipal government here in Canberra in the community services sector. And I really want to explore some of that because community services is such a big challenge for us as inequality uh, is such a big challenge for governments around the world. How can we use content um, to challenge some of those issues? So we'll come to that. But he's now jumped into the big league, so to speak, working for the Australian Bureau of Statistics and really at a time when data is all-powerful, information is all-powerful. We'll talk to him as well about what is the ABS doing to tell the Australian story so that people can understand what the changes are so that then government can explain why it is they have to intervene and make the policies that they do. So interesting stuff ahead. So, Kunshan, thanks very much for coming back to In Transition. Thank you. Thank you for the welcome, and that's quite a welcome. I hope I live up to it in the course of this discussion. (laughs) Now, this is the second time because, interestingly, we were just talking before we started the tape about um, our first and if people get onto the contentgroup.com.au and dive right back into the archives we had a live stream probably yep. I don't know four years ago and a, yep. a conversation about exactly what we're going to talk about today so in that time um, back then you had sort of I think pretty well just started um, in the public service um probably four, five, four or five years now that you've been you've that, been in? Yeah, so my last job before the ABS was in the Community Services Directorate and, yeah. and I joined there in about 2011. I joined the ACD government, I think it was, gosh, going back to 
2007. Oh, okay, right. Okay, so um, you might have been in there for yeah. quite a, a long time before yeah. then. Okay, so you're, you're quite some way into this journey from journalist to, you know, government communications professional. It's something that people are really increasingly having to look at because mm. of, you know, the cr- decreasing opportunities yep. in particularly mainstream media. Yep. What's it, maybe describe for me how, how that was for you, moving from being a, a beat reporter yep. into working for government. Yeah, well, I've now it's, it's kind of um, scary thing that I've been in the public service communications longer than I was a reporter, mm. which is one of those kind of milestones that you look at when you get older and a bit greyer and a bit yeah. more generous around the waist. <laughs> um, uh, the the I was fortunate in, in both instances. So I moved to the U, to Australia from the UK, um, and I went to the Canberra Times. I was on a tourist visa, and then uh, which, which meant I could only stay, stay there for three months in any one job, and they were very generous in then sponsoring me to stay on there longer and that enabled me to to then get more contacts and then a couple of years afterwards I moved to the education department in communications and that was when I moved to Australia having been a reporter in the UK for 10 years I moved here um, for for my now wife rather than for jobs but it was a good reason to have a change of path as well right um and it coincided not at the start the the tough times that papers face were were pretty well entrenched even back then. Yeah. So it was kind of also, well, if I'm going to be looking forward to my career, where will the next step be? And and it was good that I had some good supporters at the time that kind of opened up some doors for me mm. within the public service. And it's a big issue, isn't it? Because it, if you do want to have a family, you do want to have a career, you do, you do need to have stability. So... It's it's a really challenging issue, isn't it, for people to look at? They, you know, they may love writing stories and they may yeah. want to be out there speaking truth to power, but the reality is you've got to put food on the table. Yeah, and also when you're in newspapers, particularly and living in Canberra, there aren't many options for working in newspapers. You've got a few plum jobs up on the hill yeah. that are declining in number and a couple of the weekly papers. Other than that, it's a Melbourne or a Sydney or a Brisbane trip. Yeah. So um, whereas when you move to the public sector... The, uh, well, so in communications, the private sector is expanding. Yeah. You know, content Group's been here a while, one of the mainstays, but there are other new companies emerging on the market. And obviously then in the public sector, there are many more options as well. So it's about, I guess, about um, where you see yourself going and, and, and where that path will be and where you think you can, I guess, rejuvenate and make a difference as well. Mm. What skills have you taken from journalism into your public sector communications career that have had the biggest impact? There's the flippant answer to that question, which is the traditional journalism skills that I won't talk about because in case one of my employees is listening into this podcast, I'll keep that one for the off the record. Um, listen, uh, David, you'll know as well as anybody else, the art of communications is storytelling. Um, and journalists are among the best storytellers that you get. They can turn, good journalists can turn their hand to any story and they can make it accessible. And once you have that ability, you can then open up the other strands to it, um, to, to who you talk to. Also, one of the things I am forever grateful for for being a journalist is it brought me out of my shell as an individual. So my first job in on paper, I grew up in a town in Slough in southeast England. It was a mainly um, Anglo workforce in an older kind of... The, it was the area when um, the some of the World War II veterans were dying off, but they were still part of our customer base. So going out to engage with those people. I'm from an Indian background originally, though I was born in the UK. It was almost like chalk and cheese. So that enabled me, that made me get out of my shell and become more engaging with other people. And that served me immensely well throughout all my jobs. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the, this, well, there's a couple of things in that, but maybe let's just stay on that for the minute. But this, 
what's emerged over as a theme really um, in the hundred and I don't know twenty plus podcasts that we've come uh, that we continue to you know, that we're up to. One of the one of the continuing themes and advice that people have, particularly for government communications professionals, is get out of your seat and go and talk to people. Get up and get moving. Go and build the relationships, because that's how you'll have an impact. You know, if you sit behind the email and just ping off emails, you'll get nowhere. But you've got to, you know, lose a bit of shoe leather and get up and get to know people at a human level and that's where you can become effective. Exactly right. We were, we were having a chat yesterday with some of my colleagues in the office about something we want to get more media engagement with and it came down to picking up the phone, talking to, to the journalists we want to engage with. The emails are good, you can get information out there, but don't rely on that as a sole source of it. And we tend to fall in the... Even even journalists who then transition to public sector communications still tend to... not Sorry, not tend to. Some of them fall into the trap of relying on email communication because mm. of time poor... They need to get the information out to lots of people. But then when you get into that one-on-one engagement, it reaps huge dividends. It's almost a no-brainer. But that's from a media point of view. But I suppose what I'm probably more suggesting, though, is the internal um, communication challenge and building of credibility that, you know, government communications, the WPP research recently has confirmed that, you know, communication isn't really a valued function in many governments anywhere in the world. You know, it's seen as the, you know, the car wash or the colouring in department. Yeah. And the advice really is to build your credibility, get up and go and talk to the policy people, go get up and go and talk to other people to build relationships, to understand their business, to explain to them how you can ac- actually add value to what they're doing as opposed to being seen as a end-of-the-line service. Yeah, exactly right. And I'm, I'm fortunate in my, I th- all my roles. I've had supervisors who have been supportive of me getting out to do that. Mm. But it's one thing to pick up the phone, but when you're in the same building as, as, as your colleagues, it makes no sense not to go and see them. Yep. Um, it's obviously when you've got an organisation that's spread over different parts of the country, that's a bit trickier. But it's like we've still got video conferencing. Um, you can get on a plane and hop up to see the Melbourne staff, the Darwin staff. Yep. There's no reason for not engaging that way. And it does, it builds relationships that you don't get any other way. Mm. Now, in terms of, uh, just going back to that other second point um, around storytelling, storytelling at its heart needs tension. It needs, you know, it can't be, you know, and this happened and this happened and this happened and it was all great because that's a boring story. It, it you know, to be an effective tell- storyteller, you need to be able to, to contrast, to find conflict and in my experience, particularly senior people don't like to talk about the bad thing. We don't want to talk about the bad thing. So in, how do you find or how do you take on that challenge of to tell a good story, you need to have the tension, you need to have the resolution, the challenge, the things that didn't work, the things that are working in an environment where people are saying, no, no, we just want to have you know sunshine and good light here. Mm. We don't want challenging um, we, we don't want the bad stuff out in, in the public eye or we don't want to tell the bad stuff because that will make us look bad or it might expose us or it might expose our minister. So how how do you go about telling good stories in that sort of environment? Um, it's interesting that the, the use of the word tension and that is it's always, I don't think I've ever landed upon an ideal place where we can acknowledge tension without either scaring the organisation I work for or too obviously underplaying it to the people trying to communicate to. Um, Who can smell if it's phony. Yeah, yeah. That, and get, yeah. And that's when I think... So within, 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 if I'm doing a media pitch, I still wouldn't overtly say, 
listen guys, this is where we really ballsed up on this one. You know, <laughs> look, look at page 75 of that report. That's the gold on that stuff. Um, but you need to be prepared to acknowledge it and you need to have your spokespeople ready to go, yeah, we did that. This is what we learned from it mm. and this is how we've moved on from it. You have to have an answer to the question. Don't go out um, blind, otherwise you'll come a cropper. It also comes down to the, those relationships you have with the people you're talking to. You know, I, I, I'm, um, I, think, well, I think we're both fans of backgrounding where appropriate mm. with, with reporters because mm. it builds that trust and it gives that context. Mm. You know, we, in, in the ABS, we have some really complex statistical data and it, it's all foreign to me and I'm having to communicate it. But when you're talking to journalists who are maybe on a general beat, not a specialist beat, and are filing against multiple deadlines a day, if you can give them any other bit of information they can have in the back of their mind, it always helps build that. And so when you go out and they go, oh, yeah, actually, so we know that you know this is where they've come from, these are some of the tensions they've had in the past, and they can write about it, they can write about it in a factual way without us having to kind of megaphone it every time we talk about it. So what are your, say, five top tips to getting good outcomes with the media in this changing media environment where I think you, you hit on something there that it's multiple deadlines a day. You know, it's almost everybody's in the radio news business now, top of yeah. the clock, as soon as you've got it, out it goes. Oh, actually, it's not even top of the clock anymore. It's whenever it's, you know, baked, it's, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. I am, we're looking... Um as far as it's possible, we try to tailor our approach to journalists. Now, we don't, there are thousands of journalists. We don't tailor approach to... Yeah, but your role is specifically media, isn't it? Um, I have media in my team. Then we have external communications and graphic design as well. Right. So there's okay. a few elements um, to it. Um, with the journalists, so whether we're looking at what stream they're in, are they broadcast, uh, press, online? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what are their deadlines, for example? How are they rolling? picking up the phone to them, talking to them, and trying to tailor our content in a way that meets their needs. It's less about, here's our information, do something with it. Mm. We, we, we're, in, we're in the business of selling, and there's a competitive environment out there. Mm. So we try and tailor our products towards what their needs are. We don't want to harass reporters, because they've got you know, lots of stuff on their plate. But they also, we also try and approach them uh, when, in a proactive way. So not only when they need something from us, or when they're trying to give us a shellacking, but we try and open up opportunities for them. Mm. So they know there's genuine to engagement there. And I think probably from government organisations, I would say hand on heart, are generally doing more of that. You know, they, they were quite sheltered um, uh, in, the, in, in the past about how they approached. There's a lot of nervousness about it, I think. Mm. Um, but there are so many options for talking to reporters and more broadly communications that they're opening up and they're saying, well, we've got this good news to tell. Mm. Um, let's get out of there. And, you know, and my theory is that we're going to get when any job you work in government communications, at some point you'll get a pounding. Um, so it's worth getting out and talking about a good story before you do that. Yeah. How important, obviously, it's at a place like the ABS, um, you know, there's lots of information, lots of great information, lots of interesting information and, and you know, panel beating that into good stories or interesting stories uh, is prob- well, probably quite a bit of fun, I would imagine, actually finding that story and trying to, you know, translate those complex data sets into, you know, digestible, you know, interesting information. But to that challenge of context and the importance of context for both the audience and for the journalist environment, how important is it to recognise that context? So as it, you may have the good story, but you've got to make sure that it lands at the right time so as that it gets its best possible run. Yeah, extremely important. One of the benefits we have at the Bureau of Statistics is that we are very down the line. We're a statistical agency. So I used to think uh, a conventional department was quite down the line. But we are super straight back. 
Um, so we don't put any spin on anything at all. Hmm. And I think despite some of the high-profile issues we faced in recent years, I think we're still seen as a straight-down-the-line kind of organisation. So people don't expect us to come out with heaps of swirly adjectives in our media releases and a whole lot of spin. They just want the information from us, which means <coughs> that, sorry, that we have, I think, still quite... Uh, we're trusted to, to deliver factual information by the population at large. Then the context comes into the, the longer storytelling picture. Um, so we have heaps of education statistics or we have um, personal safety statistics and we have a series of those. Mm. So we can build out the information over a course of time and we can refer back to what previous surveys told us, what we think from these surveys will tell us. Um, but do you line up, say, for example, you know, education statistics with the context of... Uh, you know, the end of a school year where people are maybe deciding where they're going to be sending their kids. So it's at that time of the year um, that people are making decisions or winter time where people are dealing with health issues. So you've got health statistics. Do you, do you sort of line up the, yeah, the so, stories in that way? Yeah, so yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we do. We um, One thing we're getting big into is the various awareness days yeah. that come around. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Know, and Surfing off the back of those. That's it. And those yeah. always go down well with us. But you're right, those, those key points of year as well, mm. you know. Uh, the ATA does it very well, obviously, in the financial year. Yeah. They're all over that kind of stuff. And uh, human services and families.gov do it well with those main points for families. But, yeah, we've got those points as well. Mm. Um, seasonal, um, yeah. business cycle years, yeah. environmental years. We had an agricultural census out really recently um, that ties in with that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. it's about, yeah, it, one, it, in, one, in one aspect, we want to be the ones who are driving the agenda. But we have to recognise that there's a lot going on around us as well. And it makes a lot of sense to tap into those already, those kind of themes. And obviously, and then on, on social media as well. You know, so you've got the conventional media and the big <laughs> awareness days. But on social, what's happening on that and is something we can tap into and that, that, that reflects our brand and what we're known for, mm. but shows us kind of engaging in another forum. But it's interesting with the ABS, there's, you know, there's the ABS brand, that, but then, say, the subset brand is the census. Now, we've got an international audience, so they probably don't know, uh, but the most recent census, there was a, let's say, there was a, I don't know, well, actually, you tell me, what, 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 how, how did you describe what happened? I'd describe it um, but before my time, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was... Uh, <laughs> It was a website denial of server attack, I think it was. Looking at it from the outside, I was going, whoa, who's going to want to work there, man? And then a couple of months later, I'm in through the door. Yeah. So anyway, what happened, um, audience? The um, uh, people, it was one of the first, well, I think it was the first anyway. It was going to be online. So everyone was going to fill out their census data online and the system crashed. And, you know, anyway, politically, you can imagine um, everyone was running around in ever-decreasing circles and everyone... Well, not everyone, but, you know, the media particularly, you know, the bloodthirsty media got completely hysterical about the whole thing. But interestingly, like the census is really a sub-brand of the, of the mothership and the story of the recent census was obviously the story of the system service denial. But the previous uh, census, the story really from a communications point of view was the success of it and the success mm. of the communications because the census had a personality. Yeah. It decided to go out and have a bit of fun yeah. with the Australian people. Now, I think everybody likes a laugh, you know, whether you're Australian or doesn't matter. Everyone yeah. likes humour. Everyone wants to have a good time. And the census really got it right. It, I remember at back then just being, I loved it. Mm. And I, I subscribed to it and looked to it and there were some really funny people on message living within the bigger brand it was a sub brand so it sort of got away from the sort of abs stuff but it was super successful 
So is there still an appetite to have a sense of humour in a place where, you know, it's a big, serious, sensible, grown-up organisation? Yeah, there is. So obviously the, the, the period when we were, had the census issues was was um tented it was full on and it was a you know it was a big moment for the organization hmm. in its 110 year history so in within the abs we put into context it was a high profile incident within 110 years yeah. and it led to obviously you know some thinking about communications and how we do it and uh, I, i'll be i'll be open I, I didn't work directly on the census <laughs> communications campaign that but the guys who were there uh, and this is a shout were amazingly resilient and they've done a good job um, and I think we so and we we had the August nine census census night. Then we in April we had the initial kind of typical Australian information release. Yeah. And then in June and twenty seventh we had the main data release. There's more to come. And I think we can see the transition of tone on that content. August nine, very full on, very confronting. April the eleventh still references back to census fail. Yeah. But here's the information how good it is. June twenty seven third paragraph of the story. By the way, census failed, but how good is the information? Yeah. And that's given us, I think that's, that was a, each of those are benchmarks to us in how we can communicate. Mm. Uh, again, you know, we had to respect in the first instance, I would imagine, the, the tone of the situation. But now we can get a bit more engaging with it. And we, some of the, 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 the content we're producing is engaging. The humor that you referenced from the 2011 mm. census, um, uh, uh, I, can't, I don't know when the Tone for this campaign was, was developed, but it's been, I think, more informative than humorous. Yep. But there is, and I think part of the thing that I'm looking forward to doing is exploring some of those ways to become more engaging with the information we have. You know, we are a statistical agency. It would be like the Reserve Bank coming out with a bunch of emojis on their social media. People will go, whoa, who's at the wheel? That's that dot again. He's back in there. Um, so we have to be careful how we do that, but we can make it interesting. We can make it relevant. We can in an appropriate context, be lighthearted and still maintain the integrity of the brand yeah. that we're working towards. Yeah, well, uh, well, but from a personal point of view, I think, you know, the ABS is known globally as, you know, a world leader um, uh, and, you know, whose computer systems don't fail. You know, okay, sure, you know, probably shouldn't have happened, but, uh, you know, our computer systems here fail all the time, not all the time, but, you know, they go down. So anyway, we move on from that. Um, <laughs> But interestingly, I, I do want to come back to that in, in, in a moment, but I'm really interested again um, in your time in the um, community services sector because it is this, you know, I think this is the great challenge, this is the great moral challenge of how do we continue to drive economic growth but stop the, you know, the widening of the gap and this is everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, it, it seems to be a, a global phenomenon here in Australia as well as, you know, Europe you know, North America, South America, everywhere. Um, and you saw it pretty well close up, being the communications director of the communications, uh, the community services directorate. Now, look, obviously Canberra is, you know, the world's most livable city. It's yeah. got the highest living standard in the world. So we're not like everybody else, uh, but we still have our share of people who are not doing as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even yesterday, statistically here, um, you know, wages growth is still, you know, jobs are up, but yeah. wages growth is still, you know, pretty, pretty tight. Yeah. So... What, what's your views about that and where can communication play a role in, in, in helping government and helping communities get better? Yeah, that, the, so the Community Service Director was um, an eye-opening time uh, for mm-hmm. me, I mean, work-wise, because you do, as you say, you get to um, 
get to understand more of the difficulties that probably more people than we would imagine um, are facing within our community. And now it goes from the severe poverty, you see people who are experiencing homelessness on the streets, and we have young people who are um, in the care system. Um, but then there's the, 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 the less obvious forms of um, hardship as well that we get, you know, colleagues around us who are couch surfing for a couple of nights, yeah. or we've kind of gone to the, to the salvos to get a short-term loan to pay some of their bills, stuff like that. <coughs> Where communications comes, and I think it's raising the awareness of that, and reducing the stigma that we have. So somebody right. who has a disability is not a disabled person. They're a person who has a disability. Yeah. And it doesn't detract from what they are as an individual. Um, somebody who's an Aboriginal person, they are. They can either be, as can we all, um, facing hardship, or they can be, as many of us in Canberra, high-flying success story. Mm. We don't need to pinpoint everybody to the same story. So that kind of equalising and, 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 um, uh, and, and awareness raising, I think, is, a, is something that the directorate, has a big part to play in, and through and through them, the government as well, more more broadly. We're also acknowledging that it's there and that we do need assistance for parts of our community. We can't d deny, you know, we need public housing, we need um, uh, subsidies for various parts of the community. So just making the awareness again, we need this help. Some people need it, and if you need this help, here's where it is as well. Mm. Um, but ultimately, it, to me, then it sounds like part of the solution or the sol the role that. Uh, communications can play is through stories, is through telling those stories in an engaging way so as that the people who are perhaps more privileged, you know, like myself, uh, can understand, you know, what the challenges are. And perhaps I could relate to it a little bit more effectively uh, through better stories, perhaps, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm aware of it or yeah. if I'm made aware of it. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. You know, there is so much going on in good in, in good terms. A, one of the difficulties we, we always had in the agency was getting the individuals themselves who are experiencing the hardship, whatever it may be, to tell their stories. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they don't want to come forward and say, listen, look what I'm going through. Yeah. And also there are a, a whole um, legion of appropriate privacy provisions around identifying people in various states of government support. Um, so that was a difficulty. On the plus side, we have some some very good staff within the agency and in the, within community sector that are working with them to tell that story on their behalf. Mm. You all know, David, you worked with our directorate. Yeah. I remember, you know, some of those things going there. Yeah, for sure. Support the youth awards as well. Yeah. Through the group. So there are there are many there are many ways to tell the story and put it together um, in a way that um, doesn't diminish um, what's going on. Because they don't want to scare people. If you're trying to engage people in a positive discussion. You don't want to scare them off by going, geez, we're all going to hell in the handbasket. Mm. And you need to, they need to feel like they can do something about it or that there's a reason for them being told the story. But that's in direct contrast, isn't it, to the political environment that runs around um, these issues because it is. That's the, that's the tone, isn't it? Is it it's, a, it's an extreme tone. Like this is a disaster and this is a... You know, no, there's nothing in the middle anymore, you know, particularly in the media. Everything's either a disaster or it's, you know, wonderful and there's really no sensible place for, you know, discussion or stories to take place. It goes to that tension you were mentioning yeah. earlier on about storytelling. It's, I, I am not a complete pessimist. I, I, I acknowledge the fact in that... In terms of not a pessimist about the, the politicians or not a pessimist about... Solving some of the inequality challenges. Uh, being a dual public servant, I won't comment <laughs> on politicians. I think, in terms of the, the general tone, there are you know there are extremities. You know, we we all know the the, the commentators that make something big out of something that's not there. Correct. And they're the ones that get the, the get the attention. There are also lots of thoughtful commentators out there that engage with us. I know in, in my previous job, in my current job, that put some thought into how they're talking about about information. 
And I think what's underplay, you know, you see the old, the old thing, those who shout the loudest get the most attention. Mm. There's a lot of quietly talking people out there who have some very broad networks that are talking in quite measured ways about what's going on. And that's, you know, we're talking, I'm talking policy makers, I'm talking um, researchers, um, well thought out reporters, media people, commentators, um, and, and members of the community as well. Um, and so those ones can, they hear the shouting and they can put it to one side or they can put it in, in its context. Mm. We have to, I think, I'm the dull thud in the background. Mm. I keep going, boom, 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 this is the information. Yeah. And either I'll give you a migraine or you take some Merzendor or you go, oh, yeah, I'll listen to him, all right, I'll listen to you, for God's sake. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm the constant hum of information that's sure. out there that just tries to underlay. And if, if in any, if in any in inflammatory story... They reference our information in the correct way. They're part of the job done. So you've got the facts in there. Yeah. Um, and if we can bring some of that context into it. So are you seeing, or have you seen perhaps a lessening then of this sort of hysteria and that, you know, that, as you say, the base beat of your story, you know, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, here it is, factual, factual, factual. Um, are you you're seeing that that's having some sort of impact, some sort of effect? I think so. I, I think base beat is much better than dull thud. So I'll use that one <laughs> from now on. It's a much more attractive way. Of saying yeah. It. Um, well, that's to me. That's content. That's yeah. content communication. Is is understanding what the story is you want to tell, yeah. um, using the skills of journalism to turn it into its most you know appealing form. Yeah. Make sure that you know your graphics are good, your audio is good, your you know data visualization, whatever it is, and then find the channel yeah. and then keep turning up. Yeah. You know, here we are. We're here. We're here again. We're here again. We're here again, and earn the attention yeah. of the audience. It's the only way that it's going to work. Yeah. And perhaps, you know, you, I don't think you're ever going to stop the screamers. No. I think there's always going to be that element of it. But I think we need to, as you say, draw, you know, people to that sensible centre. And this is where government communication can play a role. There's nothing anywhere that says government communication has to be dull. No. You know, it can be on brand. Yeah. Um, yeah. But do it well, you know, and do it in an entertaining way. And this, again, this is, a, you know, the... <laughs> exactly the purpose of what we're trying to do with this content communication process is to give people those skills so that they can, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, here we are, we're still here, we're yep. still here. Yep. And hopefully, as you say, bringing people on a journey and earning the attention of, the, of citizens and stakeholders so that they can understand, okay, yep. right, I've got that now. So yep. when government makes decisions, that context of the decision is a little bit, you know, better filled in than it is otherwise than if I'm just listening to shock jocks or, you yep. know, Sky Television News or whatever it is where there's extreme views and, you know, people's opinions are pinging around and there's really <laughs> not much basis to those discussions. No, no if, Eddie, you're right. If, if, I'm, if you're looking at my facts and you came to your conclusion and you're still different from my conclusion, that's fair enough, but you've mm. got the facts on the table about it. Um, we're never going to make... Uh, well, sorry, the ABS is different. We don't want to make you think our way because we're a statistical agency. Mm. But you're never going to convince everybody that your policy direction is the right one. But if they're arguing with your... If your facts are on the table yeah. and they're accepted, then you see what level playing field for this. But how do you then feel about the notion, and I'm just, we're coming up against time, but I'm just maybe one or two more quick questions, but how do you then feel about this, you know, this truism really that, you know, facts validate someone's position, you know, and they, they look at it, but it's, it's emotion that moves people. Do you, what role does the ABS or any other government agency have to emotionally engage with people or is that the role of the political leaders and really the, the bureaucracy shouldn't be involved? If I go back to the, um, I forget the name of the breakfast that you hosted a, long, not a couple of weeks ago with the head of the UK government communications. Oh, yeah, Alex. Alex Aiken. Yep. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, if you're not in, a, in government, if you're not 
making a change, if you're not changing the audience behaviour, what are you doing? Why are you communicating? Yeah. And I said, so I was this and that. I think, yep. Yeah, if I'm thinking health, the smoking rates, yeah, yeah. I can hear that. Education, reading rates, yep, yeah, I got that. If I'm thinking the ABS, we're not we're not laying out policy. So the emotion for us, yeah, we're not trying. We steer from policy. We don't want to get into policy discussion. We do want to make you engage in our information. We need to realise the importance of our information, but not towards an end result necessarily so, which is slightly... It's something that I'm coming to terms with as a communicator because I've been used to as a journalist looking for the angle, yeah. as a political um, communications officer spinning it or, or, or putting a particular viewpoint across, mm. and in government communications, finding the government's viewpoint and emphasising that. Yep. In the ABS... Different. Yeah, the emotion we want is we want to be engaged in our information. Mm. We need to realise the importance of the information but not necessarily to sway to a certain viewpoint. But the no, no, whenever, if I can, can I, a, a loose analogy, we do economic information. Yep. We put it on Facebook, decent response. We talk about domestic and family violence rates, bam. Mm. You know, people are engaged in that subject matter. Mm. We haven't put any kind of artifice on it. No. The same information is out of that, but it's what people are engaged in emotionally. Mm. So that's where we know we hit the mock health information, you know, um, uh, all the stuff that relates to us in a social education health sphere, that's really where we get lots of traction on, on, on communications. Mm. Now, just a, f- a final question, and perhaps to look to, to, to the future, and Pat, drawing on your um, vast experience, <laughs> uh, what do you see in, in terms of the way content can play a role in helping governments strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens? What's going to happen? What's, what change is required? Um, that's a really good question. Thanks for the leading time to answer that one as well, David. Um, and there's no editing on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, sorry, thanks. <laughs> um, um, see, so government communication is becoming more focused. I think you know you 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 you'll have worked with more departments than, than I have. Yeah. But they're becoming a lot more attuned to contemporary communication needs, huh. and and the breadth of them. And um, so they should just by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, without doubt, you know. And, and so even the, the fact that everybody's now connected. Everyone's walking around with a uh, you know smart device. Actually, just back from holidays in Vietnam, and it's amazing in Vietnam. You know, there are still the very very poorest people in the world yep. living the most modest lives uh, in remote rural areas. They don't have much, but you know what they've got? Yeah, a smartphone. <laughs> they got a smartphone, and the Wi-Fi in Vietnam is really strong. Really? Yeah. You see people sitting in the middle of rice fields looking at their phones. Get out! Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everywhere, everyone's got a phone. Everyone's got a phone. So, in ter- this is a this is again the, the the importance of communications. Communications is is moving yeah. because of this structural, yeah. you know, this infrastructure improvement. It's going from a, you know, the old days, you know, the colouring in department, the car wash, yeah. to the <laughs> central, you know, the central nervous system is in place, yeah. and the you know, the atomic particle of a of a government's message is they are got to move through this system. So, there's this massive need that people now need to become, you know creators and yeah. distributors, you know, in, in a much more fundamental way. That's my theory anyway. And I think what I think what I see happening from my experience in government departments is they're bringing the change in the infrastructure so that communications isn't the bit on the end. Yeah. They're bringing it into that core part of it. So whether we're looking at digital engagement, you know, transactions, we're looking at uh, comms 101, media engagement, yeah. uh, advertising, whatever it is, it's more of the integral part of the organisation mm. because... You know, from the census perspective, we saw acutely clearly what happens when the public receives an issue with the government department. You know, it goes off, mm. um, and and uh, 
you don't want that to be the first time the head of your agency knows the comms team. You need to be better than them before that to build that trust, that relationship, you know, the relationships we've talked about already. Um, so I think structurally they're coming into line more. more. Um, they're bringing them more central, more focused, and that will en- enable a more of an organisational-wide um, communications perspective. Yeah. The one thing uh, the some government agencies do really well is really putting it in at the needs of the consumer. So not, not being so fractured in how we talk about our, mm. you know, our various services or programmes, but really wrapping it up into what the consumer needs from whether we need health support, education support, mm. um, or, or getting to work support, all that kind of stuff. So mm. that's, I think, where we are going a long way towards achieving, but there's a lot of work to do there sure. as well. Yeah, it's, uh, indeed. But I look, I think it's the most exciting time yeah. for people working in government communications because of the contextual change. You know, we're going basically from the basement up next to the, yeah. the CEO's office, and yeah. I see, you know, in the not too distant future, that the you know the executive will be sitting there, and the comms team will be sitting on the same floor, yeah, because yeah. it will be, you know, where the organisation tells its story, both internally to yeah. its organisation, because productivity is so important yeah. in constrained environments, so that needs to be, you know, very strategically engaged with, and then those external audiences and how can we move quickly as the world starts to spin faster and faster and faster there won't be the time to be able to you know (laughs) run down to the basement to talk to the communications (laughs) team you know they'll have to be very much in tune with some of that that thinking but we're seeing that um but as you say it will take time and it mightn't happen in my lifetime but uh we'll be pushing along as hard as we can so kanchan thanks very much mate for coming in uh on a very, very chilly Canberra morning. <laughs> uh, I've just, as I say, been in Vietnam, beautiful, warm and hot over there and only been back here a few days. And very similar. It, it, <laughs> it woke me up this morning. But thanks, mate. <laughs> Thank and you. thanks to you, the audience, for uh, turning up. A little bit longer again this week. I know I try to keep it to sort of 30 minutes and we're about, uh, the ticker says about 37. So I, I've ruined people's work uh, walks to work. <laughs> if, I, if it goes too long, i got... You know, complained against the it's other. It's more day. exercise. <laughs> Walk longer. <laughs> yeah. What was the positive side? We'll make so, it 40 minutes. <laughs> so thanks, mate. And, and again, thanks, audience. Thanks. Um, uh, fantastic uh, chat with Kunchen. Lots of insights there. So take a few things out of that. Um, and again, get up, go and talk to people, build those relationships, get out from behind the chair and understand people's work and tell them and explain to them, you know, it's a, we've all got to have this, uh, you know, advocacy role on behalf of the organisation to explain the value that we can create. Because as I say, the infrastructure's changed, people's behaviour has changed and we're the ones who are going to be able to drive the value. So get out there and make it happen, people. So uh, for another week, thanks very much. And I will be back at the same time next week. But for the moment, it's Bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.